morning, church. We are once again uh, filming in the church in the evening. It doesn't feel like the evening, though, because it's much brighter outside <laughs> than it has been. Yeah. Uh, I am here with Brian Taft. Brian, what's your title? You don't have a title. Uh, all around good guy. That's, that's a good. The, that's yeah. a good title. <laughs> uh, Brian, how's how's your week been? It's been good. Um, you know, definitely challenges, but I'd say by and large, um, I've really been working on pressing in in the challenges to try and see Jesus at work, and uh, he is definitely not disappointed. <laughs> so, not easy, but good. Cool. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, Brian is in the medical field, kind of front lines of all the crazy that's going on in the world right now. Um, so that's good to hear that, uh, that Jesus is faithful even there. Yeah, especially there, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, we are uh, in Matthew chapter 16 this morning. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 12. So what I will do is I'll just read the text and then we'll pray and uh, just chat about it for a few minutes. So Matthew writes in chapter 16, he says, The Pharisees and Sadducees approached and tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, When evening comes, you say it will be good weather because the sky is red. And in the morning, today will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. The disciples reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were discussing among themselves, we didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected or the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. God, I just pray that you would... Um, Open up your word to us this morning, that you would teach us as we look at this text uh, that Matthew has recorded for us, this interaction between Jesus and his enemies, and then Jesus and his disciples, that you would show us um, just a little bit more what it means to follow you, uh, to be your people in this place and time. God, I, I just pray that uh, you'd bless our conversation, uh, that you would... Um, Give us insight and wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was interesting when uh, the first kind of murmurs of, oh, we're going to have to shut down the economy and all these people are going to lose their jobs and we've got to do something. And, and um, the federal government kind of came together and, and, and put together this uh, financial stimulus package. And, and they've done, I think, four or five rounds of this at this point. But um, the very first one, it was really interesting to see like all of the 
political barriers fall down and everybody kind of come together and go like, we need to get this done because it's a crisis and it's, um, it's important. And unfortunately, I feel like that's all kind of fallen apart at this point. <laughs> the Democrats and the Republicans are back to their usual bickering. Um, but throughout my life, when we've had crises at 9-11 and, um, and, and this situation and some other ones, um, kind of the, the, the status quo political squabbling kind of disappears and the different factions kind of rise to the occasion for a common goal. And this is what's happening in Matthew 16 because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were like total polar opposites and political enemies. And the Pharisees were devoutly religious Jews. They followed the Torah meticulously. Um, there's even stories of, you know, like they tithed of their herbs and, and they were just very, very zealous for following the law. Um, they came out of a tradition that started a couple hundred years before Jesus um, where the whole nation was kind of running amok. And they, they were a group of people that said, no, we need to figure out how to get the people back into um, a pattern of holiness with their lives. And so they brought people back to the scriptures and they brought people back to um, the, the rituals that God had laid down for them in the law. And, and they started on this really good foundation. And by the time of Jesus, they'd, they'd really strayed into kind of a legalism and, and they kind of lost the plot as to far as what um, the point of all of it was, but they were still very rigorous in their, their religious um, practice. The Sadducees, on the other hand, only accepted the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, mm -hmm. as canon. Um, they didn't believe in much of the supernatural at all. They didn't really believe in heaven or, or angels or um, anything like that. And they were incredibly shrewd politically. They aligned themselves with the Romans. They um, occupied all of the positions of power, the high priest, uh, the other major priests were Sadducees, uh, and they were jockeying for political position. And because of their allegiances with Rome, the Pharisees hated them. Like the, and the Sadducees hated the Pharisees. But they come together because they both hate Jesus more. <laughs> They put aside their differences to, to come against Jesus. And I think that's really interesting that, that Jesus is such a threat to the status quo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I did not realize how the Sadducees really viewed Jesus as more of a political threat uh, versus the spiritual threat. And then you have the, the Pharisees. It's, it's, Jesus's economy is completely different than either one of them can even... Um, fit into their framework, to, to paraphrase what you guys talked about last week. And it is, it's funny how he can come in and just overturn everything and, and change what our priorities are enough to get the attention of everyone. Yeah. He's not focused on an issue. He's right. focused on completely changing the way humanity works. Right. And it offends everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then they, they ask him for a sign. And, and I, as kind of an aside here, and, and I, I just think this is interesting, the, many of your Bibles might have a note at the end of chapter three. Um, Jesus says, when evening comes, you say it will be good weather because the sky is red and in the morning today it will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. My Bible says, um, some manuscripts omit, basically 
most all of verse two and three, the whole like you, you can determine the weather, that whole part. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, so there's, there's, this whole, there's this whole field in, in biblical research called textual criticism. And it's the study of what the actual documents of the Bible are. Basically, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of ancient manuscripts of the Bible. And these scholars all line them up together and know where they're the same and where they're different. And they can kind of create a family tree of documents all the way back to the original. And we don't have the original, we don't think. We have copies of copies of copies, but they're all hand copied by scribes whose job it was to copy and they're all very similar. And so we can see when there's changes. Um, and because of that, uh, because the, the New Testament in particular is more than any other ancient document is more well attested in the historical record than, than anything. Uh, we, have a, we're, we have really, really high certainty that the Bible that we have is the authentic uh, text that was written. This is actually what Matthew wrote down. And so when you have a note in your Bible that says some manuscripts don't contain this, it's because um, there's a lot of textual evidence and and there's a question, was this really supposed to be in here or not? And so some scholars say like, no, it was, it was added later um, because um, it's, a, it's a really common proverb. There's other ancient authors that talk about the sky and judging the sky and, and stuff like that. Um, but some scholars, and I found this interesting, think that it was um, taken out, particularly in Egypt, because the meteorological conditions in Egypt are different and it wouldn't have made sense to that audience to say that this is how you understand the weather. And so scribes in that part of the world would have been like, well, this doesn't make sense, so we're gonna take it out. Whatever the case, you, you, you get online, you find your favorite YouTube atheist and says, look, the Bible's full of errors, right? <laughs> but it's actually the opposite because when we, when we have all of this evidence of what these manuscripts say and how they're different, it's actually, it actually bolsters our confidence in the text. Like if you were uh, into uh, forensics in the art world and, and, and figuring out like forgeries and paintings, if, if we had an artist that we only had one painting of and somebody came out with another supposed painting by that artist, it'd be really hard to tell if that was a forgery or not because we don't have a large body of work. But if we, we have a large body of known paintings by a particular artist and somebody says, hey, here's another lost painting and we can compare it to a large sample set and go like, well, the brush strokes are all different or the materials are all different or all these were done in this way and this one's very different. It's much easier to tell a forgery based on a large sample set. And so because we have so many manuscripts to look at to determine what the original um, was, we can be incredibly certain that the Bible that we have is authentic. And, and I think it's important like, to acknowledge that we have this like, messy history of figuring out what the Bible, what the New Testament is, but we don't have to be afraid of that because the truth is on our side as Christians that we can, we can look at this document and trust that it is, um, are the, it is the words that Matthew intended to write because of all the research and all of the, uh, all of the ancient documents and, and things that we have available to us.
Yeah, <laughs> I think that's amazing that that we self scrutinize um, to ensure that what we're saying is truly in line with what God's message is to us. And and the fact is that you know in Timothy he talks about that all Scripture is God breathed. Mm-hmm. So. Um, through all of that scrutiny, scrutiny and all that research, it would be tough for me to believe that, yeah, this, this or that passage squeezed through and really doesn't underpin what he was trying to say or wasn't the actual intention. So, yeah. so he says, um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are asking him for a sign. And they, they, want, a, they want something to authenticate his ministry. As we've read through the last 15 chapters, Jesus is constantly doing things to authenticate his ministry, right? He's constantly healing people and casting out demons. And he just got finished creating, you know, thousands and thousands of meals. And, and so they're not sincere, but they've got like, I was thinking about signs and I was taking, uh, our girls for a bike ride last weekend and Nora just got her training wheels off and she's, uh, she's going for it. (laughs) It's it's pretty frightening. (laughs) But one of the things she knows is she knows what a stop sign is. So we get to the end of the trail and we're going to cross the street and there's a stop sign on the bike path. And she, she can't read the word yet, but she knows the shape and the color and that's a stop sign. And, and so there's signs that, that are symbolic, that are abstract that just, that there's, there's nothing about a stop sign that, that makes you stop, right? It's, 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 you have to know the symbol in order to understand it. But then there's something like Jesus's little parable he tells about the weather, um, is if you understand what the weather's doing, uh, changes in the weather and the color of the sky, or like if we test the barometric pressure, that's like a, subs, a substantive sign. Mm-hmm. Like that actually has something to do with what's going to happen. And Jesus is performing those kind of signs all over the place. Like, you know, prove to us that you're the Messiah. Well, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to heal people and he's going to bring food and the lame are going to walk and the blind are going to see. And, and, and it's not just like, well, here's my Messiah card. It's like, I am bringing about all of these things that are pointing you in the direction of the kingdom of God and, and they're missing it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, actually, when I was reading through that, I kind of had this flashback to, and I pardon me for all the medical analogies I may come up with, but, um, I had this flashback to the first time I had seen shingles. You the read disease. about the disease. Yeah. yeah, not on the house. <laughs> <laughs> you read about and you learn all the pathophysiology and all everything that's going to happen. And you know so much about it. And you see several rashes and you go through and go, this may be it. And you ask your preceptor and he shakes his head in, in just total disgrace at you. And no, that's not it. And then in walks the patient that has it and they, you know, pull down their shirt and you look at their shoulder and, oh my word, you know, this is shingles without a shadow of a doubt because you have immersed yourself in what shingles is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And you see all these counterfeits, even to, to talk about what we spoke about earlier, when you see what you've been preparing for, you'll know it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that just totally, it brings me back to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're not truly having that heart after God. They're not truly looking for the Messiah. Yeah, maybe they want somebody to overthrow Rome and get them out of there, but they want somebody that fits their narrative. Yeah, that's so interesting too, because they're the ones that are, to continue the analogy, they're the ones in medical school. Right. Like, right they're the ones with their, their noses in the text. Yeah, they looking, have everything to, yeah. at stake. Yeah. yeah, and they've completely missed it. Uh, and then Jesus says, uh, the only sign that will be given is the sign of Jonah. And he's talked about this earlier in Matthew, and, and he's, he's alluding to uh, his crucifixion, his, his, his being uh, buried in the earth for three days and being r- uh, raised from the dead. And even that, that's pretty cryptic. Like, I, I, I don't really think that Jesus is like, I, I really want to show you the truth. Right. He, he's like... They've decided that they are not going to listen, right? And so right. he's he's not really going to give them the time Waste of day at this point. Time. Yeah, he's yeah. not wasting his time. And then he leaves. <laughs> I just like Jesus just doesn't have time for it. Right. Like he's not. He's going to go to people that care, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's just not going to waste his time with these guys. They get in the boat. And this is, I mean, Matthew doesn't say this, but he says when the disciples reach the other shore. So they get back in the boat and they go to the other side again. And they don't have any bread with them. Matthew's been talking about bread for like two solid chapters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like there's, there's just like all of this feeding stuff, like feeding the 5,000. And then what goes into you doesn't defile you. It's what comes out of you that defiles you. And washing your hands before you eat and giving the children's bread to the dogs and feeding the 4,000. And, uh, and now the disciples have forgotten their bread. As much as Jesus' point in this story is not about physical bread, so much of this narrative has been about physical bread. Mm. And, and I think it's important to recognize that Jesus, Jesus cares about that kind of thing. Like he cares about feeding people. We just saw him, he had compassion on the mm-hmm. crowds in the last story because they were hungry. And, and I think it's, it's easy in general to take religion and make it like otherworldly. It's about your soul and what happens to you when you die. And whether it's, whether it's Christian religion or, or, or some other faith, like um, it's about this ethereal part of you. And it only applies to certain segments of your life maybe you know and this is this is what i what i do on sundays but monday through friday i switch into business mode or whatever you know and 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 people formulate their their faith life in a lot of different ways but the christian faith as jesus presents it is very holistic like he's he's going to talk about um something that's not about physical bread and he's going to rebuke the disciples for having no faith um but He's also cared, he also cares about our physical well-being. He cares about uh, our spiritual lives. He cares about our physical lives. He sees us, and the, and the, and the Bible puts together the vision of the human being as, as a whole person, mm-hmm. right? We have, um, and we've talked about this before, about you know, drugs and um, mental illness and uh, demonic oppression and, and just all of those things and how spiritual issues and mental issues and physical issues kind of they all mix together sometimes, and and you can, um, you can't always neatly separate them into categories. 
Yeah, and I think uh, you, you nailed it. When we make so much mistake in, try, in trying to extricate the the spiritual side from the the physical side, because our bodies are so much in control of what goes on in our spirit. And you know, if you're not fed, if your basic needs aren't met, then following Christ sometimes it can seem like it's a secondary thought mm -hmm. and and I think I love how he flips that script of saying follow me and do this and and it, and it becomes a like you said a holistic thing he cares about each part of us God created every part of us to worship him and so um, yeah I <laughs> I was kind of chuckling to myself too thinking the same thing and you know, even had that side thought of like, I wonder if Matthew was just hungry when he was writing this chapter. <laughs> He's just having, having a sandwich. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I thought of another bread yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, it's like, um, William Booth founded the Salvation Army mm -hmm. and he had one of the first like um, social justice oriented missions in the Christian church in the 1800s where he saw um, thousands and thousands of people in London who were going hungry, who didn't have shelter, who were selling themselves into slavery and prostitution and realized like they can't, they can't respond to the gospel in this condition. Mm -hmm. Like I need to feed them so that, they're, so that their immediate physical needs have been met and then they'll be in a place to hear the good news about Jesus. And if we, if we neglect that, then I, I, I think we do people a disservice and so I, I just, I just love that, I mean, that, that there's just so much physical care for people's needs. And that's why the di disciples are going to be rebuked is because they all of a sudden think that like Jesus isn't going to care for them. Jesus says, um, watch out for, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees in, in verse six. And, and in verse seven, they were discussing among themselves, we didn't bring any bread. <laughs> And then he, he just says, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? And then he, he reminds them of what they've just experienced, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, and that he's not talking about actual bread. And I just, I love, I love the disciples because they go from this point of like totally getting it and com then completely <laughs> not understanding anymore. And I just love that because it's, it's so much like us oh, and, yeah. and just like coming from a place of like trust and faith and like, I just, I'm so high on Jesus right now and this, everything's going great. And, and then like, God, where are you? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and just this roller coaster that I, I feel like we're constantly on. That just gives me so much hope Yeah, because Man, I, <laughs> I can say the most amazing prayer and then, you know, immediately grumble or have a, just an, a, an awful thought about somebody else and know that there's grace for that mm -hmm. and that the full on goal is running towards Jesus and he has patience for that. Yeah. I, it's interesting, like I was reading some commentaries this week and, and one of them was like, obviously they, they didn't bring one of the seven baskets of bread that they just got <laughs> from the leftovers. And, and I don't know, maybe that's too harsh. Maybe, maybe that bread's gone. Like, I, I, you know, but they've, they've just got this just fixation on uh, their, 
their material need and how maybe Jesus met it then, but now, now, now he's not going to, or, or maybe now it's my job to meet it. Right. Like Jesus did it for me once, but now I got to do it myself. And they're, they're bummed out because, oh shoot, we didn't bring bread and we forgot, you know? I mean, he basically says like, I, I can make bread <laughs> if we need bread, right? Like I, I, we just made a ton of bread, it's fine. When I said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread. So the idea of, of leaven, um, yeast, right? Like th this comes up as like a motif in scripture and it starts in Exodus mm -hmm. when the command is from God, uh, you're gonna be released from captivity in Egypt and it's gonna be fast. Pharaoh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through the, the, the land of Egypt. Uh, this is the Jewish holiday of Passover. Uh, and I'm going to kill the firstborn of anyone, any household that doesn't have the blood of the lamb uh, on their doorposts. And because of that, Pharaoh's gonna just say, get out of my country, right? And, and, and it, you're gonna be in a rush. So there won't be time for your daily bread mm -hmm. to rise with the yeast. So it's gonna be unleavened. And then that becomes this symbol uh, for them. And then all the way through Leviticus and the law and, 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 and through the, the history of the people of Israel, um, leaven uh, becomes this symbol of impurity and corruption. Jesus is talking about this impurity, this corruption in the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's a really interesting metaphor because it's small. Right, like the, the, the parable that Jesus tells of just a small little bit of yeast mm -hmm. goes into the dough and it, it, it spreads, right? And so you don't, you don't notice it at first. Um, it's kind of insidious, it's buried, um, but it grows. I think the question is, what is Jesus talking about when he says, beware of the leaven, the teaching? Parallel it back to what were the Pharisees and the Sadducees doing that misalign them with Jesus's ministry because like we talked about earlier, the Pharisees had good intention. The pharisaical teaching and practices were based out of, I want to follow God and be obedient as best I can. So instead of the line being here and I stop here, I'm going to make the line back here to be mm -hmm. extra safe because I care that much. But then it becomes this God plus or Jesus plus type of gospel. Mm -hmm. And you lose the freedom and you use the lose the love and the relationship. So now it's just based off of law and tradition and oppression and a way to victimize and manipulate people. It's a lot of the little things that aren't the point. It's the Jesus plus. Mm -hmm. It's the you need to do works to also be saved. It's not by grace through faith anymore. It's you're missing it. Yeah. It's interesting later in Matthew, Jesus is going to say, do what the Pharisees tell you to do, but don't do what they do themselves. Right. Right. Like don't be like them, uh, but follow their teaching. And yeah, so it's, it's interesting that it's this, it's not the bulk of the bread. It's just this, right. this little piece of leaven that's going to ultimately come through the whole loaf and, and ruin it for, for you. And I think you're right. It's what they're doing throughout this book, but specifically in chapter 16, is they're sowing seeds of doubt about who Jesus is. 
Like they don't, they've come together. They're, they're enemies of each other, but they've, they've united for the common good to destroy their enemy, Jesus. And, and that's, that's the issue that Jesus is warning the disciples against is, is they have, they've missed the point, which is him. Jesus says in, in John that uh, they search the scriptures thinking that in them they'll find eternal life, but they err because they, the scriptures are about me, Jesus says. To bring it to where we're at today, I think there's two questions that we can ask about this passage. I mean, there's a lot, but two that I wrote down. <laughs> um, the first of all is, is, what are the signs of the times today? And, and I think this is an interesting question because this is a, a verse that's pulled out. You know, you, you know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. And often we, we pull that out when we're talking about kind of uh, end times, mm-hmm. uh, es- eschatological stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fancy word for end times, <laughs> eschatological. Uh, and it's like, well, you know, the, the European Union or, you know, coronavirus or, you know, whatever the flavor of the week disaster is and how it fits into prophecy or whatever. But that's not at all what Jesus is talking about in the text. He's talking about the things that he's doing on the ground right then. And so I, I think if we're going to ask, if we're going to say, you know, like, okay, we know how to read the sky, but do we know how to read the signs of the times? I think that the question we should be asking ourselves is, what is Jesus doing in our midst today? What is the kingdom of God moving forward in the world look like today? And do we recognize that? Are we getting on board with that? And that's what Jesus is accusing the Pharisees and the Sadducees of, is not that like the apocalypse is coming and they're not prepared for it, but it's if you recognized who I was and what I was doing, you would align yourself with me. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us, it's what is Jesus doing in our midst? And are we aligned with that? Or are we taking a position like the Pharisees and the Sadducees are and resisting that or um, ignoring that or uh, speaking out against that? And, and I think that's, that's where we get to ask that question of our hearts. You know, God's, God's doing things right now that um, I have total faith that God is doing so much through this corona pandemic um, that are going to hopefully cross denominational lines and bring us together in, in a wonderful, powerful way, much like this Pharisees and Sadducees, we'll understand that so much of this doesn't matter and that we are here to love on a hurting world to meet physical needs and bless others and then to, to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. We need to be ready. God is moving and if we're not aware of the signs, then we're gonna be left behind angry in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Recognizing the signs of the times isn't about rejoicing in the fact that we're gonna leave, it's rejoicing in the fact that we get to be a part. Mm-hmm. Like the Pharisees and the Sadducees are missing out on what Jesus is doing. And if they recognize that, they would be able to engage. Right. And um, that's what Jesus is calling them to, is, in, is engagement. I heard, um, I heard a pastor was talking about, he's, he's from uh, London, I believe, and he was talking about how he looks at American sports and um, the clock 
kind of dictates the play, especially in football. And if it's early on in the game, you, you are a little bit more um, judicious in your type of play. But as it gets down to it and you have more to gain or more to lose, let's say you're down 10 points and you basically have nothing left to lose, you go big or you go home. Mm. And he, you know, he was talking about how this is, this is it. This is our time to go big as the church mm. and to lay aside this doctrinal squ uh, squabbling that we have. Mm and go out and do what Jesus did. Yeah. The, the second question is, it has to do with that, this idea of leaven and false teaching. And I'm afraid it's, it's really easy to just take anything that you don't like or you disagree with and, and label it, you know, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and I think kind of, kind of keying into the idea of, of uh, kind of tearing down some denominational barriers and gathering together as the church and, and showing uh, our community what it looks like to be the kingdom of God together. Like there's just so many things that we, we fight about mm -hmm. that, and we think we're making a, a principled stand on, you know, uh, that we really don't need to fight about. Like, like there's a few, like, I mean, I, I will fight about a few things, like, <laughs> but, but, but the more, the, the more I follow Jesus, the smaller that list gets. At the end of the day, if, if Jesus is God and he is the Messiah and he is bringing about his kingdom through his death and resurrection and the grace that he's offering to anyone that would come, if you and me are there, then I think we can work together. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, think, I think we can show our city how awesome that message is by loving on them and caring for them. Absolutely. And it's almost like the enemy knows what we can do and he's just trying to get us to turn on each other and be too busy mm -hmm. quarreling about things that don't ultimately matter when there are people to be saved and, yeah. and to be loved on. And yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens in the city, to, to see how churches are coming together in this and unified and trying to meet needs. You realize that we are, we're here for a common goal. Mm -hmm. We can feel really good about like, well, we don't, we don't associate with those kind of churches because <laughs> they're this and this, you know, and, and, it, and it feels, feels really good to take a principled stand, you know? <laughs> yeah, I just feel like that's just foolishness. <laughs> Yeah. And then you actually meet somebody from one of those churches yeah, yeah. and you watch them walk up and, you know, give a homeless man a, a bowl of soup and a hug. And you all of a sudden realize, oh, maybe that was actually more like Jesus than my principled stand. Totally. Um, I, there's just so much in this that when we actually connect and we meet with people that it just, it's, it tears it down. Mm. That's where the true heart of Jesus comes through. Amen. Oh, cool. Um, you want to pray for us as we close? Yeah, cool. God, we thank you so much that we can come together and just dig into your word. Lord, there is so much depth and so much meat to this that, God, we just pray for your revelation. We pray for your truth and your grace to come out and to work and move in everyone listening to this and viewing this. God, thank you for this technology that we can use to still reach people. And we pray that your word and that your, your gospel would move powerfully and that we would reach those that you care about. Mm -hmm. 
We know that you are God and we surrender and just rest in you. We pray for your joy and for your grace and that we would be able to be blessed so that we can bless. In your wonderful name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.